0: You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Hey, listen, um, this is an episode that I did probably, um, it would have been back in 2021, I believe. During our Local Legends series and I found myself through this season, as a lot of you know this season has been a struggle for me, I found myself coming back to this episode specifically and some of the things that Jim Forbes says about hunting uh, mountain terrain whitetails or even if you're in hill country type stuff, uh, the stuff that he talks about I keep coming back to it over and over and over again so I wanted to uh, just do a little throwback episode this week and uh, we're going to listen to this episode with Jim Forbes, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. All right, everybody, on the phone with us today, we have Mr. Jim Forbes. Jim, how's it going over there? In You're in Virginia, correct?
1: Uh, yes, sir. I'm in, in the southwest part of Virginia in the mountains.
0: Okay, so talking about Virginia mountain bucks, which is something that is pretty fun to talk about.
2: Yeah, it's something pretty fun to talk about because they grow them big up there.
0: Yeah. They the, grow them big. They do get they get significantly bigger. They grow them big, um, yeah. And, and, Jim, I don't know. We talked a little bit about it. We talked a little bit about habitat and things the other day. Um, but kind of explain to us the, the habitat type and the terrain that you're hunting up there in the mountains of Virginia.
1: Okay, well, it's, you know... Uh, Pretty steep. We have actually two mountain systems here the Appalachians and the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains, and they both run very steep. Uh, you know, a lot of elevation changes, and there's a lot of different scenarios that you can run into as far as in regard to hunting. And um, so I think it makes it way more challenging because of that. You, you know, you you got to really, you know, play the wind, so to speak. That really makes a huge difference here, and you know, it's such a big area too that it it makes it more challenging to try to pin one down, so to speak. So.
0: Yeah, and we, we talked about it a little bit the other day, and uh, and you you talked a lot about um, you know we, we, times when you've taken other people out with you or things like that, um, and you just don't seem to see deer in numbers can can you kind of talk about that because you obviously have a good track record um my buddy devin duncan is who recommended you for the podcast and so i know you have a good track record of killing big bucks but from what me and you talked about the other day you don't necessarily always see a ton of deer can you talk about that for a little bit
1: well yeah the the population is is pretty low plus You know you got to factor in your food sources change from year to year with the acorns as being your main crop you know of what you would hope for in November and in in October and November and if you know you have limited acorns or I've hunted quite a few years there was no acorns that really becomes difficult and you know plus a lot of years You know, the acorns are spotty, which means, you know, one ridge may have acorns and the very next ridge over may not have any. Well, you know, that's, as you know, the deer, you know, they're going to be where the food is. And so that's where, you know, your boots on the ground really becomes very relevant. And, but, you know, I try to limit my scouting as much as possible in in the fall because then you're putting out a lot of scent and that creates another issue but uh yeah um food is everything and the wind is is a lot and you know that you try to you know find those places um, i like to have multiple places because of that i i should hunt probably in this couple upcoming season four or five completely different habitat places different counties that kind of you know then move around till you get to where you start maybe seeing some deer but as far as the population goes it's probably declining in the mountains in many areas due to predators and so you know you make could go days without seeing a deer so that's where I think, you know, doing the things that I normally do keeps, gives you the confidence to kind of stay to it. And so you, you know, the confidence is that you're in the right place keeps you there so you don't around and, you know, you know give up on a place that you know should be a good place. That sort of thing. So I, I do a lot of moving around. I might be in one county one day, in a completely different county the next day. What are the? It's based on the winds, based on all those factors.
0: What are the things? What are the things you're looking for in a mountain type area that just scream like a big buck should live here?
1: Well, you know, obviously remoteness is a factor, and it's. Not as much of a factor for me now because I'm getting older. So, but <laughs> if somebody in their prime remoteness is a great thing. I think you'll find in these mountains around here, there's always a mature buck or two in just about most places because it, you know, they they get smart. Um, you know, it's challenging to hunt them. There's a lot of area. So the things I'm looking for are. Uh, where are the food sources, where's your access? I don't like to go out, if I'm hunting a a public land, I don't like to go out Logging roads where there's a good parking spot. I try to look for where there's a hill or something challenging the first part of it to get away from that most likely people would say, no, I'm not going in there kind of thing. And you you know you're also looking for terrain features, Um, and there's a lot. As I told you the other day, terrain features. You know you got your your ridges, your main ridges, your secondary ridges. Um, You got uh, uh, saddles. You got. I like one of the places I like is where the main ridge, main finger ridges turn up and hit the main main. And that usually, you know, and then you look for a lot of laurel around there, Uh, any funnel-type situations. Is there rocks that might funnel them to a certain spot through there? Uh, You know, that sort of thing where it narrows down. So as many characteristics as you can find together, I think, increases your odds. And that's really what it's all about in this game is trying to pick out the the places that are the most likely places and, and to do that I don't believe I think a map's like a starting place. And I think you gotta have you gotta scout. And you gotta scout a lot and really know your areas. I'd rather have less areas that I know good areas that I don't. So those you know, you stick with the you pick the places and you go around you kind of think like a big deer. Why would a big deer come through here? Where are they going to come from and where are they going to? And then you pick out the highest probability places. And I like to stick with those places because I think if you don't, then you're just going to be all over the place. And if you stick to those few places and really believe in them and spend a lot of time thinking about those places. Then you're more likely to sit still, which we all know is a big factor in killing deer. Is sitting still and having confidence in where you're hunting.
0: You know, Drew, that's something that we we hear a lot of guys, especially in this local legend series. Mm-hmm. We hear them talk about these same type of things that yeah. that Jim is is talking about, and a lot a common. Uh, a common theme among a lot of the local legends guests in the past is they hunt very smart, but very few places compared to um, a lot of people. You yeah. hear you hear guys uh, Dan Infaltz, John Eberharts, uh, a lot of those like you know bigger name mobile mm-hmm. hunting yeah. guys that have killed a lot of bucks. They talk a lot about sitting in one tree. And if you don't see anything, you don't go back there, you know, or right. whatever. Um, but I see a theme, especially among guys in mountains and guys in the southeast that yeah. may be mountains or or not. But southeastern seem guys little, they, tend to— They
2: seem to ride it out just a little longer.
0: A little bit longer. So, Jim, tell me, like, when you, when you have a spot, I, what I'm imagining is you have several, you know, really good areas that you have high confidence in. Is there ever a moment that you give up on those areas in the season? Hey guys, as most of you know, censorship for hunters and anglers is completely out of control. So we've partnered with the social media platform, Go Wild, to combat the mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, They're actually encouraged on Go Wild. They give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting other friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, like gift cards, free stuff like knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit GoWild.com to get started. Six Day Grind Coffee Co. is made for people like you ones out there grinding to reach your goals every single day whether it's 3 a.m. wake up calls to get into the woods or just getting through your work day a good cup of high quality coffee to start your day is imperative when you buy from six day grind you not only get a great bag of premium roasted coffee you also have the opportunity to support conservation through their coffee for your cause program where 10 percent of your purchase goes to the conservation organization of your choice Check out six day grind coffee dot com today. That's the word six followed by day grind coffee dot com.
1: Uh, not if I'm going to hunt that place. Now, you know, like I said earlier, if the you know, food is everything. So if I've got a mountain that's twenty miles away that has uh, a lot of acorns in it. You are seeing deer. you got you see the sign of big ones there and you got another place that it looks like it's just not the place this year. I don't give up on the place so much. I might give up on the year of it that mm-hmm. this year is not that that for that place. And that's why you know my GPS, I filled up one GPS <laughs> back in the day and in my prime, I absolutely filled it up with points, waypoints, to, to you know, have, like, redundancy in places because just in case something happens. What if other people come in there and kill the buck you're after? Or, you know, there's usually more than one in there, but if they're, you know, what if you're driving up to your place and you see the buck you been hunt- want, think is in there or got a picture of, it, and he's dead on the side of the road? Somebody ran him over, things like that that you have no control over. So I'm I'm a believer in having about 10 places, but okay. I'm not going to go to all 10 of those places. I'm going to stick with the four or five that I think I have the best opportunity with. And I don't give up on places because I've spent hours and hours and hours not only scouting it, but thinking about it. I do a lot of, you know, reflection when I do get a spot and you know why is this good why is it you know why would this be a good place I I I one time killed one of my biggest bucks I hunted for about five years in this spot two or three times a year and I never saw a deer and the first deer I saw was a, a really nice buck so that's a good place I don't I don't get to hunt that place anymore but you know you, you just got to believe in what you're doing. And I, I think that's a lot. I really do. I, Because I've seen people just give up. Like, well, there's, a, I, I've hunted three or four times here. I haven't seen a deer. Well, I, but is it a good spot? You know, is that a place a big deer, which are a lot different than most deer, would come through at the right time? And then you just put your time in. You, you find the right places, and you believe in them. And then you put your time in, and eventually, I feel like you will have a good chance. And will every 100 of every place you pick work out? No, I, I don't believe that. But I'm, it's going to take a while for me to say that I need to move
0: on. That's so. that's interesting. I want to talk about those quote unquote right places. You know, the spots that you find that. Um, you have a lot of faith in it, all the, you know, everything seems to work out right for you. What, what makes the spot the right place? Is it more of a natural features, vegetation, terrain, you know, food, or is it sign? Are you looking at the sign or is it kind of a mixture of both?
1: I, I think if you think like a, a mature buck, how they would go through the wood, um, you'll You'll know it when you see it. It's the terrain features meets the, 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 the habitat features of, like, laurel, the, you know, the, where it narrows down, play, you know, a funnel-type place, or a natural barrier such as rocks that, when you see it, you say, this looks like a big one would come through here, and that's when I start you know, getting excited. And, you know, there's other factors you have to to, to think about. How are you going to get into that place?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, when you're looking around, are is there signs of other people in there? Is there trash there? Is there places scraped out where people have been hunting on the ground or stands there? You know, I'm going to really look around when I find a place to make sure that there's nobody else around there. And then, you know, I'm not going to walk up that ridge and turn around. I've seen this so many times in on public land that it's, it's almost funny. You know, you, you somebody will walk a mile up a ridge, and then they'll turn around and sit there for a day looking back down that same ridge, and they walk right up the top of it, and I don't think that's what you want to do because you're putting down a lot of scent you're running everything out of there that might have been there at the time you walked in there you know you got to try to find the way can you go up the hollow next to it can you go up the ridge next to it and then cross over can is it possible to come over the top and look down the other side that sort of thing so i mean i think that's a big access is big and and in hunting pressure is big too when you find those places, there are other factors that are, you know, involved in it. And, you know, can you get the deer out when you after you kill it? It's another consideration. Well, you know, I've never cut one up. I know a lot of people are going to that. So, and, you know, some people really believe in that. And I've, I've got a pack ready to do that now,
3: <laughs>
1: if, that's, if, if that's what it takes, you know, but... Most of my places now that I pick are not to where they're a mile. I might walk in a mile, and it's generally uphill. But if I kill one, it's generally downhill to get that deer out. Yeah, And, you know, I'll hunt over the next ridge over or to the side of it, that sort of thing. But looking straight back down the way you came in, I don't do that. I mean, it's just you're lowering your odds because that scent, your scent can stay in there for much longer than people realize.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: I've I've seen it. I've done it. I've lived it. So
2: Yeah. Jim, talking about
1: – Definitely don't you – know, The less scent, the better you put out in the mountain. Yeah. you don't want them to know you're there.
2: True. True. Talking about the uh, spot, Jim, with what Parker asked, when do you find that? Because you, you had mentioned earlier that you don't do a lot of um, in-season scouting just because you don't, don't want to lay down scent and, and different things like that. So do you do it postseason summer scouting? How do you uh, – when, when do you find that, that spot that makes you come back?
1: Well, I feel like the best time to scout is in the winter and early spring. The winter is the best. I mean, you know, I used to spend a whole day out there in the winter i that that's what i i like that as much as i liked hunting. you know i would pack a bag you know waters lunch gps and i would make a day out of it i just love that i mean you don't know what's on the next what you're going to run into and you know the more scouting you can do then and the more places and and then you go back and you know during the week when you got to work or, you know, in the Edens and stuff. And, you know, then you start thinking about, well, you know, why is this better than this other place that I found and that sort of thing. And that's how I've kind of honed down places a lot over the years. So now I'm, you know, I, I'm trying to hunt smarter now than just hunting, you know, scouting all over the place. I'm, I hone it down, and I really want to know the woods I hunt better than anybody else in those woods. So, and I think it, you know, I think that's a important factor that you know what they're most likely to do, and and it it pays off in the end.
0: You know so, that you know that makes but, a lot of sense, Jim. What you're saying, and and I think um, even thinking about like turkey hunting too there's been so many times when i've been working a bird, you know, going back and forth with him, and then the bird turns around and leaves and i go walk to where he was and it's i can easily see why he didn't come to me. I think with with deer hunting it's the same way. You can have those spots that you're talking about that look perfect, but if you walk just a little ways over, you may see, you know, you may see a feature that prevents a deer from wanting to come to that spot that you found you know Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't work out so I think what you're saying I think everybody can think of a a place that they've hunted where something similar has happened you know in the mountains uh, you'll have like I I can think of one spot specifically that I've just like man I know there's got to be a buck here I know there's got to be a deer living here and then during turkey season I'll walk (laughs) around and I'll be like well no he's not going to live here why would he be coming from here there's a (laughs) Giant bluff that he'd have to jump down to get here, you know, um, and so knowing the property is huge. But Jim, I also wanted to say uh, after our conversation the other day, I started thinking. You, you mentioned, you know, these spots that you like that you told the story about that deer that you hunted at five years didn't even see a deer, and then you killed your biggest buck. I I, I can think of so many spots that are now back on my radar because they they were perfect. They seemed absolutely perfect to me i threw a couple hunts at them, didn't see a deer but i just know that it's got to be a good spot at some point for a big mature buck and so a lot of spots came back to my radar um when you mentioned that and uh and having continuing to have that confidence just because you don't see a deer doesn't mean you, you don't have confidence in that spot at some point maybe just not for that year and sometimes you just it just takes they want to sit at it you know, just to, to see what's in the area and so I think that I think that mindset is huge and we talk about confidence a lot, confidence being, you know, everything you need for the most part. If you if you don't have confidence then your likelihood goes down and I don't know what yeah. it is about yeah. it. But I think that's I think that's good. Drew, I, I can think of spots that me and you have discussed, mm-hmm. you know, we share spots back and forth a right. lot right where we'll be yeah. like, Man, I don't know what the deal was wasn't any deer. Yeah. But that doesn't mean anything.
2: Yeah. yeah. And I, I actually think it's more on us. We're just really impatient, mm-hmm. you know, like we, 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 um, you know, and then we send it out to our buddies be like, well, you know, where would you hunt, you know, if, if, if this was you and then, and then if you don't see a deer in the first couple sets, but I mean, you know, we, we're talking regularly to guys l- like Jim that, um, you know, are patient yeah. and like patience kills big deer that's what i'm that's what i'm learning with all our local legends guys yeah like patience kills big deer you know and um i just i i I always just have that mindset like what's 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 on the next ridge though you know that's why it's really hard for me yeah so that's something i'm trying to learn is how to is how how to be patient because uh you know just like you said parker like if if the spot's there the sign might not be there but just like jim was saying because the acorns are not there that especially in mountains Uh you know the acorns aren't there so they're going to go to where that's at but that doesn't mean and the next year that 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 is not you know Mm -hmm. and so i think i think one of the things i'm taking from from this conversation with jim is i have to be more patient Mm -hmm. like i have to because man how many how many big deer walked by you know a week after i stopped sitting there yeah that's that's what keeps me up at night
0: yeah that's good stuff good stuff jim uh kind of moving back towards your statement of food being everything and in the mountains, Mm -hmm. in the mountains, specifically during deer season, uh, acorns are, you know, a huge part of that, that food source. So, um, tell me about the, the acorns in the mountains. Do they, do they tend to, you know, each year, do they drop around the same elevation? Does that elevation change year to year or is it kind of scattered depending on the area that you're in?
1: In October, uh, white oak acorns are the rain supreme. They're the ones that are favored by deer the most. And that's they drop earlier than the red oak acorns. And so you're going to kind of have that it, during an October, which is, for us, that's bow season here.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
1: you know, you're going to make your plans more based on where the white oak. And, you know, the groves of white oaks, where are they at, you know, most of them are going to be at uh, the better, biggest, best trees are going to be in the, the valleys, uh, the lower ravines, you know, that sort of place. So deer are going to be coming low to high in the mornings and, and the opposite in the evenings. So, but for me... I favor red oak acorns and they're, they're your, you know, they drop in October, late up into late October, sometimes early, mid November. And, but they're, to me, they're what I call the killing acorns because that's, they're the ones you see during November when you have your gun season, when the rut's in. So, and they, you know, they can be in different places. They can be up at higher elevations more um they're the two that i concentrate on we have you know some years that we have the chestnut oaks as well they're not as favored as much but you know if they're the only thing you have then you they're again they're at a higher elevation a lot of times and so you have to kind of pay attention to those too but red oaks is what i like and you can get movement from up and down as I just, I call it north-south movement, but also you might see more east-west movement in the mountains where the deer, if there's a lot of acorns that year, they don't have to go down lower elevations. Uh, Some deer I don't believe ever go down out of the mountains, and then others, the majority of them probably do a lot of north-south, go down the fields at night and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I, I set up, Definitely set up higher in the mountain when possible when there's a lot of acorns. Because I think the deer are right there amongst you when you're getting in there. Whereas some years when there's not as much food, they're going down to fields or, you know, they're on re- white oak acorns early, there's, they're coming back up to you. So So that's kind of one of the things that I look at as far as food mm. goes. And then, you know, I've seen years when there was no food, and, you know, and that's another thing I do. I do an autopsy on every deer I kill to see what they're eating, Hmm. every Mm -hmm. one, because I think it's really important.
0: Yeah. Do Do you put a whole lot of stock into the hunting the leeward side of a ridge? Do you find that mature bucks tend to, in the mountains be on that leeward side and feed on that leeward side just because of the thermal advantages, the wind advantages, and things like that?
1: Uh, What do you mean by leeward?
0: Uh, So so the, the opposite side of the wind. So the wind is blowing over that side where they're out of the wind.
1: Yeah, I mean, if there's a year like that and they're coming, you know, Typically, you know, the mountains around here run north to south. Most all of them do, and so your west side of the mountain is going to be thicker uh, overall, and uh, they're going to go. A lot of times, they're going to bet on that that west side. Your east side of the mountain is going to be more open woods. Um, you're going to probably have more oak trees on that side and they could come over and you know i i just take whatever it is you know whatever that mountain uh, that i have access to whatever it is i I tend to hunt on the west side mostly because that's just the way it the access and the land lays Mm -hmm. but not not everything and you know but you i think you said the key word there the wind uh you you have to be really careful of that you know um a lot of people will say well where are you going to hunt tomorrow you know we're talking we're texting or whatever where are you going to hunt tomorrow and i say well it's going to depend on the wind mm-hmm. because if i'm if i'm on that west side thinking that i'm going to be hunting on the west side and y- you have a south component of the wind you're, it's going to be blowing down the mountain Mm-hmm. which is pretty much unfavorable in my estimation and I don't worry as much about the morning thermals as well because the morning thermals I I, I just usually set my stand up where I'm going to stand to where that taken into effect I've ha- I've gotten busted way more by afternoon thermal mm-hmm. and because, you know, if you go in there and you're hunting all day, which I don't do as much anymore because, again, I, I've gotten beat on that a lot by the deer. They win <laughs>
3: because
1: if you, it's in your favor in the morning, and, you know, it's blowing up the mountain, which is what I look for in the mount, in the morning for deer that are coming north-south, which is the majority, Uh then I try, you know, in the afternoon, you're going to get beat by that because that wind in the morning's great, in the afternoon it's not so great. Yeah. So I, you don't see me, I used to do that. Unless I'm in the really perfect spot, I don't tend to hunt all day mm-hmm. now. I used to do that a lot, and I can't say that it ever really ended up in my favor with that. So...
0: You know, I, I think that's true for a lot of people anywhere that there's terrain, you know, any type of rugged terrain. Yeah, like um, steep terrain. Steep terrain, yeah. mountains, things like that. The times when I find that it can be in your favor to hunt all day is going to be in flatter areas, um, especially flatter areas that have water. Mm-hmm. Because there are, what like swamps, there are ways... Um, which is a cool puzzle to put together. Right. Um, there are ways when you have standing water somewhere to keep the thermals and the wind in your advantage from daylight till dark. Mm-hmm. Like from from the for the whole day, there's ways that you can keep the thermals and the wind in your favor. In the mountains, though, like you're saying, Jim, it can be significantly more difficult. And I have friends that um, we had a guy, Lance Mathers, on the show last year. Uh, and I know people who do a lot of ground hunting in the mountains because they can move, mm-hmm. they can move from place to place. Right. They're, they're extremely mobile right. and they can move from place to place depending on what the thermals are doing. Um, and they can just, if the thermal switch, take a look around, make sure there's no deer around and move to a place mm-hmm. that the thermals are going to be more in their favor. And so, uh, I think in the mountains, that's a, that's a big, huge thing. And, uh, and a lot of people tend to forget about it. It seems, Jim. It, I'm sure people out there are the same way. You feel really hardcore when you say, "Yeah, man, I set from daylight till dark." You know, it makes you feel good about yourself, like you like you worked hard for it. But a lot of times, it's in vain. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Uh, for me, it has been.
1: I can't say. You know, I I just if I look back on it. I, I can't remember a time where you know I've killed them at midday, but when the winds that wind and the or the thermal switch coming down that mountain in the evening, I've been busted a lot.
0: Yeah. So,
1: yeah. and I tend to you know just a uh, hard learning I'd call that that you know it's just you you, you know you you got to go back and try something else in the in the afternoon, and I I kind of really think. Closer to feeding areas is where I've killed bucks in the afternoon. They're going, at least heading in that direction, and, you know, um, definitely really being, you know, cognizant of the wind, uh, where, where it's going, and... Being higher than them, you know, picking the right spot. I think that's an art to it in itself, picking the right spot to sit down. Whether you're in a tree, you know, some people use climbing stands and carry them around. Some people, you know, have, you know, more set stands. And, and you know, hunting on the ground, I've killed as many, probably as many big bucks on the ground as I have in a tree. So, I mean, it's just what your preference is there and, you know, what your abilities are, you know, um, physically to do that. But, you know, I think setting, picking the right spot, the exact right spot to sit down based on your circumstances at that point in time, I think that's really a key thing. You know, I always look for to be where I can look, where I think the deer come and be above them and the wind blowing, you know, not towards them, but away from them, you know, and will it work out again? There's not, with this stuff, there's nothing that's 100%. You're, you're trying to do the best you can to, to increase your odds, is what I'd say this is all about.
3: Mm-hmm. And if
1: you can do that, you're going to be more successful over time. You know, somebody thinks they're going to go out and kill a huge buck every year. It's either got a much better place than I've ever seen or, you know, it's, it's just not the way, it's just not realistic to feel like you're going to go out and kill a huge buck. Yeah, I always say mature buck. I'm looking for a buck that's four and a half or older than where I'm at now. It used to be when I was younger, I started out just like anybody else is, you know, a one-year-old buck is good. And then, you know, it went to 2 year old, and then it went to three-year-olds, and I realized, you know, where I'm at now, a four-year-old, they're almost like a completely different animal. So, they don't think like any other deer.
0: Yeah. Now, out there in so the I, mountains, are you are you finding that the mature, mature bucks, as you um, kind of define for yourself out there, do you find that they um, typically bed on the tops of the mountains or is there like a magic elevation that you find to be really good for, for a buck to bed at?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm a believer that all deer are different. Yeah. And, you know, it just depends. I mean, I think some when they were younger found places or their 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 mama doe took them higher up or whatever, you know, and they're more individual. So I think it's just a preference of, you know, where they favor i don't think they go to the same place all the time not based on my experience where you know it seems like some places would just be completely wore out if the deer always were in that spot you know 365 days a year i don't i've never seen that really Mm -hmm. you know so i think you know some of them depending on the time of year you know i've talked to i always try to learn more and, you know, I've talked to plenty of people during the rut, a buck will go up on a point that's looking down over, you know, open woods, which I would call like more like a feeding area or whatever, and they'll look down there waiting on a doe to, you know, if they can see a doe, they'll go after it. And, you know, and then they can, you know, anything behind them, they'll usually set up where the wind's coming over their back so they can smell anything behind them mm-hmm. and see anything in front of them. It's not only for does, but it's for a safety as well. So, you know, but, you know, I see that. I see them in thick, just thick places where you don't even really know they were there. You know, mm-hmm. laurel thickets um they i don't I don't know that I've seen a whole lot of' them bedding right on top of a mountain, so because that the wind is worse there yeah uh, and, and then plus they wouldn't be able to hear as well
3: mm-hmm.
1: so you know we we tend to wind is a lot here because you're higher elevated you can be down at at two thousand feet, fifteen hundred feet and the wind's not that much, but you get up to three thirty five hundred or four thousand feet. And it's 30 or 40 miles an hour. So, it's huge, you know, the difference. I I don't tend to... I haven't killed many on top of a mountain. And I don't tend to hunt there that much on top of a mountain. They do cross over.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I can definitely tell you that. And I know people that have killed them. I've hunted some on top of a mountain, have seen some nice bucks, but... It's it's not like they're walking along the top. They're more likely to be crossing over to one side or the other for abetting or whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So they don't tend to just stay up there because of the wind, I think.
0: Yeah, that's Plus,
1: if, A lot of people will walk up a mountain and get to the top, and then they'll walk that top.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I've seen that a lot in national forests around here, public land. And I try to use that to my advantage. I try to get three-quarters of the way up and figure they could run something off to me or the deer, you know, will smell them or whatever and, you know, you could be in a good position.
0: Now, where you're at, do you experience a lot of things like uh, uh, human, I guess, um, human-caused problems I guess the, the right word would be, do you, do, is there a lot of clear cuts or, um, you know, not, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not a natural not, habitat, yeah. I guess maybe that's the native, right word. Native. Yeah, not native habitat yeah. or like, do you, do you find a lot of clear cuts or um, like pine stands or anything like that out there?
1: Well, we don't see too many clear cuts now unless you're on private land, which, I, you know, I'm, I'm about a 50-50 hunter. I do private land, do um, public land about half and half, and you don't see the, the public land, you don't see the clear cuts anymore. It's very rare to see a clear cut, um, but I do, I like edges. I like that's another thing, you know. I was going to ask you a, about
3: that.
1: <laughs> yeah, edges of pines, meeting and hardwoods, uh, throw in, uh, you know, some rocks, especially in the Blue Ridge Mountain part, a lot of the rocks in there. All those features that might funnel a deer um, are, are great, you know, because that's what you're looking for. How can you find that spot? But, you know, I... I recently, I keep a spreadsheet, and it's, keep, it's got the date of, you know, the day I killed a deer, it's got the weather conditions, the wind, the temperature, you know, all of those little things that, that you would, you know, think would be important, and I recently went back and added in, so, you know, what... Where was I hunting? Was I on the main mountain? Was I on the Long Finger Ridge? Well, I was on like a secondary ridge, which I call those a Y, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where the ridge splits. I call that a Y, and I'll set up right in there. I've killed quite a few deer with a Y. I also have, and this is pretty rare, but if you can find one, it's called a spoke. I call it a spoke,
3: mm-hmm. where
1: you have several ridges that come into the main mountain right there. And they come kind of together. You're, you're increasing your odds. Yeah. So um, they're the kind of features that I'm looking for. And, again, it's if you find one of them, I, I think you should, like, hunt it as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, think of if 10 different ridges come into uh, one ridge eventually on exactly at the main mountain, and you can cover all that, or the most of it, then, I mean, it's got to be a good place. It's, it's probability, you know. You're increasing your odds. So, but I look, you know, anytime you can get multiple features, uh, edges, uh, you know, Terrain where it narrows down, where the mountain turns up, saddle, uh, you know, anything. I, 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 one of the things that spreadsheet told me when I added all the information is I've killed more deer on long finger ridges on the side of the hill, not on the top, because that's one of the things I wanted to learn, because I was like to favor the top because they're prettier usually, prettier wood.
3: <laughs> and i'm uh,
1: you know what I, I haven't killed that many on the top that's one of the things that told me you got to look down those side hills where that on the thicker side i don't ever i can't remember ever setting up on the open side of a ridge i'm always going to be on the the side where it's thicker where your laurel and rhododendron type things are at and that's where i've killed most of my deer and, you know, those Y's and those spokes are, are a bonus there, so to speak, mm-hmm. because you, it just the odds get in your favor. The more ridges a deer can come up and, and filter into that one spot is good
0: stuff. Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment where everything works together and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. Things that I was that I was listening to you talking about your spreadsheet and all that stuff, and thinking back to common things that I've seen with uh, the common things that I've seen with um, the local pe- people on local guys. legends is uh, having some type of documentation.
1: Warren
2: Womack's first one that I thought of whenever Jim started yeah. talking about it what was that,
0: and using it and using it for this purpose, not yeah. just for memories. Sake, right. but for hunting strategy sake, um, you know, having having uh, a list right there where you can look at it and say, what are these common denominators? Um,
2: <laughs> no, pretty woods.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty woods is always a, a, a common denominator right. or something not to hunt. Yeah, not to hunt. Um, but but I think that's that's a <clears throat> big thing for people to hear. A lot of times, it's hard to do that extra step. Mm-hmm. You've just busted your tail. Hunting that day, come home. You want to kick back, watch TV. Go get you an iPad, even if it's just a you know a notebook that you actually write it on, or you have your phone with you all the time. Go into notes and start a start a note mm-hmm. that has all those things. And what you'll what you'll start to see is
2: you can even do it on any of your mapping software too. Like, yeah, like mapping RINX software, and, um, in, any of that stuff. You can put it there in the notes.
0: Absolutely, you can do all that stuff. And so I think um, a lot of people. You know, ten. I'll tell you what did it for me was starting to video and mm-hmm. having having
3: a ev- video a log. video of yeah.
0: everything that has happened. All the times I've been successful, right. and then really like spending time editing that video and putting maps together for that edit, and then seeing how similar every video is. You right. know, especially here in Alabama, in my home range,
3: yeah.
0: everything seems to be similar and. Um, that, that's helped me a ton to be able to, you know, establish these common denominators. And what you end up doing is you can think back to uh, a deer that you killed you, or an encounter that you had with a buck mm-hmm. on a whim or something like that, you know, earlier on before you knew much about deer hunting and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense yeah. And when you start finding those common denominators and you can, you can really do it like that. So I think that that is, uh, uh, perhaps one of the most valuable things that a guy can do as a hardcore deer hunter and most valuable things you can take from local legend series is doing some type of, some type of physical document where you can see everything. Mm -hmm. You can, you can actually visualize everything. Um, Jim, how long, how long have you been doing that?
1: Well, I probably started this spreadsheet. Um, Around the early 2000s. Oh, good. You know, I started started mature buck hunting in 1990. Because, you know, I was killing deer, killing bucks. But I couldn't seem to get over the hump of, you know, going to that next step. So in 1990, I said, I got to do something different. And that's when I started, you know, this journey, basically, of trying to figure out how to do that and i think i've you know been pretty successful and i didn't know as much then as as i, I thought i knew a lot <laughs> in 1990 but i didn't know near what i know now
0: yeah
3: and
1: based on all those factors you know i i did the right things and you know i don't hunt stein i don't like like you said you don't hunt pretty woods you hunt you know where the deer are at in daylight not you know, that's if you hunt the sign, the majority of sign to, to me, if you get a sign up in there where you're hunting above the the more feeding areas and that sort of thing, that's a bonus. That you know that that's another thing that gives you the confidence to say that there's a big buck using in here. But you know, most of your sign, your rubs, your scrapes and sort of things are gonna be down in the the valleys, you know the prettier woods the you know oak flats where there's a lot of acorns but you know uh, if somebody tells me i sit in this place i could see a hundred yards i'm like i don't think you're in the right place (laughs) i don't i don't try to you know tell them that other than just try to coach them on you know if you what what's above there where where does that go? you know that sort of thing and kind of lead them that way to where they might have a, a better chance to kill ones you know i I used to do the same thing with my cameras i I did the cameras was a hobby for me to mm-hmm. get pictures of stuff, but then I realized a few years ago that well, I can use these cameras to help me kill a deer. <laughs> and I think I have done that the last few years.
0: Tell me, tell me about that. Like, what what do you mean by that? You you changed how you use your camera because even people, a lot of people that I know of who are like you, they kill mature bucks. A lot of times, they tend to put their cameras in high traffic areas to get more of an inventory, not necessarily um, anything else. So, what what did you start doing different with your cameras?
1: Well, and you know, if I'm going to hunt a place, if I'm going to, if I have a stand. Whether it's on the ground or in the tree, I think is irrelevant. Um, But I feel like that's a really good place. I'm going to have a camera near there, and I'm not going to. That camera is going to be somewhere in the vicinity, but where I go in access that stand, it's not going to be beyond that stand or down in the valley below that stand where I don't come in that way. Because again, I'm a firm believer in not putting out any more scent than you have to. So I'm going to put that. It's it's not really an inventory, but it tells me that you know a, a mature buck is actually using in this you know right in here. So if that don't does that don't cause you to have more confidence then, you know that's crazy. I mean you sh- that should be a good selling point that you're in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And you know I didn't I used to do it just to get as many pictures as of, yeah, I got pictures of big ones, but when I get them now, I I think I'm like, I'm in the ballpark here. I'm, Mm -hmm. I got a chance to kill this deer Mm -hmm. because it's right in here where I'm hunting. Yeah. And, you know, you might not get get as many bucks that way on camera, but you're in the, you know, you're there. Yeah.
0: There
1: you're, you're, you're within the right spot. And, you know, and again, it's a confidence builder, you can sit still. You know, if you don't have confidence, I could never sit still. That's why I've had people offer to take me to places during the season. And I would be like, oh, man, you, it sounds like you've got a really good place there, but I'm not going to go with you. And they, you know, they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I have no confidence that I'm going to be still sitting down in the right spot so how am i going to sit there all day yeah or all morning it, it's just to me it's i've my mind's got to be right that i've done the work and i'm pretty confident that 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 this place is the right spot for me exactly and i think that's everything i, I just do i just think the more time and you know over time i've you know, when the other people that, even that I've hunted with, you know, give it up. You know, uh, I'm not going to go anymore. You know, that's why I've killed more of my mature bucks the last week in, in November than any other week, because I'm still going to be out there sitting in those six spots and it kind of comes to me, I think, because the bucks that are still there are the smartest ones, maybe not necessarily the biggest ones, but... Smartest ones and they're going to be sneaking around in those thickets that on the side of the hills the ones that are moving and you know sneaking around they're not going to be running around crazy like they were in early november and it comes to you you're you know you got a better chance of shooting them anyway if they're sneaking around than you do if they're running back and forth chasing does and acting all crazy to me
0: that, that was another that was another question i was going to ask you is when you you kind of answered it right there uh, but i wouldn't mind digging into that just a little bit more um, we spent a lot of time talking about you know the different types of acorns that you prefer hunting you said the red oak acorns are what you like more they preserve longer you know they the acidity level is is higher in them so they stay preserved longer and once all the white oak acorns are gone, they a lot of times switch to that. And you talked about, you know, going into late, late November after the rut's over. Um, and and you really kind of broke that down. Why you think that that's the best time. Um, but do you, is that really the time when you're like absolutely focused? Like this is when I'm going to kill a big buck. Or are you, are you kind of just a, like go hard all season long from October through December, January, whenever your season ends, um, do you kind of give it all the same amount of effort or is it really just that, that end of November when you're really focused on killing one?
1: Okay. Well, I can definitely say that I'm going to hunt as much as I can from early October when both season comes in. I'm definitely going to ramp it up in November And if I'm in my prime, which I'm certainly not at now, um, I'm going to go as hard as I can the whole time. Mm -hmm. But now I have to pace myself. And, you know, I'm going to hunt as many days in November because that's when I've had success. And, you know, I've killed mature bucks in early November, mid-November, and then late November. So it can happen any time. I've killed bucks two days in a row. Mm. After not seeing anything, so I just I think anybody that would know me and has hunted with me and everything would say that I'm the probably one of the most persistent people that ever hit the woods so I, I'm gonna hunt mm-hmm. and I'm gonna hunt till at the end of November if i'm feel like I can hardly walk then i've whether I've killed a deer or not I feel like that I've done a good job i've you know I've done what I wanted to do is give it all I got. Yeah. Because I just think that effort, that extra effort is the difference maker between me and most people.
0: Absolutely it is. I think effort, efforts, everything and and time spent in the woods, whether you're turkey hunting, deer hunting, whatever, time spent in the woods is the most important thing because even if yep. you're even if you're in a not as good spot the more days you go hunt, the more your opportunities go up. You can't know? kill them from the couch. Exactly. Right. I mean, that's where you get that. That's where you get that phrase from mm-hmm. that people say all the time. You can't kill them from the couch. Should I go hunt in the rain? Well, you can't kill them at home. You, you know, might as well go hunt in the rain. That doesn't mean your chances are going to be great. You know, but your chances definitely go up from staying home. And so, yeah. I think uh, I think that's that's really good stuff. But. You talked a lot about that that late November, and I'm curious to to pick your brain on it because um, I took my first ever trip to Missouri this past year, and I was there Thanksgiving week. I heard all these great things about Missouri. Missouri's <laughs> best. Missouri's awesome. You'll never want to hunt anywhere else once you hunt Missouri. I hunted Missouri that week of Thanksgiving, and I w- I couldn't tell you how ready I was to come home and hunt my Alabama deer because Missouri kicked my tail end and I didn't even see a a live deer on the hoof, not even on the side of the road. I didn't see a live deer until the last day that I hunted Missouri. Um, And it was a bunch of does. It wasn't even a buck. So (laughs) what, what go a little bit deeper. You talked about hunting thick areas and things like that, but go a little bit deeper into your, that late November strategy you know the rut's over you're hunting the smartest deer the ones that lived what the heck are you doing to to be successful there in that time yeah because
2: yeah this this is the first i've ever heard of that last week of november a guy saying
0: well and it also it's also the same as our last week of december right you know here in alabama because our rut is almost almost a month after the rest of the world and, and the end of, no, some parts of it. The, yeah, the end of December. The, the place where we hunt right is going to be that first part of December, late December. It almost feels impossible to kill a buck. So I really want to know mm-hmm. Jim's you know tactics and, and really kind of kind of as our closing thought, just really dive deep into what exactly you're doing during that time frame to get on a big buck.
1: Well, I I, I feel like it's all about what I, my whole strategy is. That, well, first of all, I think the rut still is in. At least the bucks think so, mm-hmm. and um, they are still moving around the last week in November. And I have seen rare, but I have seen bucks chasing those in late November. But most of it, they're just still on their feet, looking or cruising around. But it's more like sneaking around for them, mm-hmm. whereas mid-November they're cruising around you know making mistakes I just don't think they make as many mistakes then I'm just there in their their habitat to where they feel comfortable walking around in the thicker spots I don't hunt I'm not going to hunt around you know the more open spots for the most part and I think you know a lot of people will tell you in Virginia that the rut is the mid, uh, between the tenth and the fifteenth is the peak. I don't think so. I, based on my spreadsheet, my my experience, I think the peak of the rut is around the twentieth or twenty first of November,
0: hmm.
1: and then it starts waning down. And and but they're still on their feet. And they, but where are they going to be on their feet? Because they're the survivors, so they're going to be on their feet in the thicker spots. Yeah. And, you know, using the terrain features, they're going to not be, I tend to have hunted higher than most people in the mountains. And then that's where they're They're more up in the mountains to me. They're not down lower into the fields and stuff, at least not in the daylight. You know, I've had lots of deer come by me and their fields are two miles away. And had them come by me, you know, a half hour, an hour before daylight, and I'm sitting in a stand up on top, near the top of a mountain, three quarters of the way up. And you'd be surprised how many of them you hear walk by. You just uh, you trying to get back up to wherever they're gonna bed down at.
0: That's, so. So basically, what you're saying time. is you 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 be, you kind of go back to a early season core area tactic that you find them more yeah. on their feet in those core areas similar to what you would do in an october type type situation
1: yeah but i just think they're on their feet more the weather's mm-hmm. cooler there it's just it's still part of the rut it's the, it's the waning down of the rut but it's not to me i, I mean i wouldn't do that in october for the most part because first of all you know that risky you know mm-hmm. as far as laying that scent down, being there where they could bust you kind of thing. I, I usually save those stands the highest and, you know, thickest, I don't hunt them very much early. You know, I'm down lower anyway, usually, probably. And, you know, when I get to the end, I'm gonna hunt the, the nastiest places I can find. Hmm. And yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I can't. I don't know what to say other than it's worked for me. So,
0: yeah, well, that's all you yeah. can say. I want to. I want to know. We talked about transition lines, um, and edges, and things like that. Are you still taking that into consideration there, or are you just finding thick nasty and getting in the middle of it?
1: Um, everything. I mean, the more features you can come together with, mm-hmm. I you know, I think it's better but you know um it's the thickest i think is the the biggest key you know i, I when i did my re- did my spreadsheet here recently you know i thought about the places and the laurel and how the road to dinner and how thick it was in those places you know you're looking down into it they feel comfortable mm-hmm. and you know they're they're sneaking they're not they know there's predators in the woods. Uh, I just, you know, it just seems like to me, and they almost know when they make mistakes. So, it seems by by their body language and stuff, they know they're not supposed to go out in the open woods.
2: Mm-hmm. So, Jim, do you, they're do
1: the survivors? They're, I mean, they they've survived through all of October and through the craziness of the uh, early November, and you know, they've smelled people in the woods. I just, you know. They've—it's not their first rodeo, so to speak, and you know they make mistakes. But you know you got to be there to kind of pay, you know, capitalize on those mistakes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Jim, do you do you set up on the outskirts of the thick stuff, or do you set up um, in the middle of it? Because you you mentioned just now and saying that you you know you can see down into it. So are are you on the edge shooting into it, or do you? enter it and and if you do what is what does your access look like is it uh, pretty slow getting in there what's that look like
1: well it if, if you're gonna hunt on the ground you can't hunt right in the middle of it you, you just i mean it's i got a couple places that i can think of right off the top of my mind right now you can't see 10 yard and mm-hmm. if you were on the ground but if you get up in a stand it opens up completely different, and you still thick, but you can see down through that stuff. So, and, you know, I'm going to, it depends on, you know, if I'm hunting on the ground or if I'm in a tree. I have some places that I can get in a tree. I'm going to get right in the middle of it. And if it's not, then I'm going to be more on the edge of it, looking down to what I can see. Again, it's going to go back to I'm going to pick a higher point than for the wind purposes as much as foreseen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, I don't want to get busted. And I'm not going to go up through that. I'm going to come from the side or above, which mostly places I've got are from the side to where they're not going to cross my trail and, and smell me. Yeah, you know, I don't want to, I don't use any kind of scent. And you can't even in Virginia now use like dough and heat and that sort of stuff. I, I've, tried all that stuff in the past when it was legal, and I've seen deer that it made them mad, and I've seen a lot of deer that it scared them or put them on 100% high alert, which I don't want to do. I don't want them to know anything's there. I want them to be in that they feel comfortable walking up through there, that they don't have a care in the world. So I think that's the best way to do it. Cause then you you know, they're not going to be in as big a hurry and you know, you're going to get a better shot, which is another thing, you know, these things don't give you very long to decide whether you're going to shoot and being able to shoot. I think Devin Duncan will tell you that too. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's, you got to make a quick snap decision and then you got to find the first opening. I don't wait for a perfect shot because I've, my experience is they've, tended to not give you a perfect shot, so I take the circumstances as they are. The first opening they walk through, I shoot them walking. And I, you know, I don't shoot very many running, but I'll shoot them walking if they stand still. That's a bonus. So um, they tend to stop behind stuff, trees, bushes. It's just that's the nature of the mature buck.
0: You know that's something that I've found to be true. Um, In my videos, I'll I'll take shots and people be people say things like "shouldn't have taken that shot" or "you should have," you know, mad at him or whatever. Um, Everybody's always got a critique of how you how you should take the shot. Um, But one thing that most people don't take into account: most people are hunting. You know, out here, most people most people are hunting bait piles, corn piles, something like that, where you have perfect shot opportunities. Um, but for the public land, you know, guy, running gun, you know, hunting the thickest areas, whatever, you don't have that opportunity. And even uh, Ranch Ferry on YouTube, the guy that talks about, you know, building heavy arrow setups and st- stuff like that, it's one of the, the key factors in his whole thing is you know, you don't have time sometimes to wait for the perfect quartered away broadside shot. You have to take those quarter two shots if you if you need to. And, you know, if you're hunting the thickest areas, you're going to be taking shots that are not wide open. And so people have to understand. Like most of the people who are saying all this stuff probably don't kill bucks either. So, yeah, um, but yeah. that's how you have to do it. And I, and I find that to be the case with a lot of the guys like yourself, Jim, that we talked to who, you know, have a good track record for killing big bucks, hunting thick areas. That you have to take every opportunity that you get. Killing you can't the first chance you get. Yeah, you, you can't just be picky about about all that stuff. Yeah.
3: And
1: yeah, so, I, and I tell yeah I tell the people that hunt with me. I I tell them you you, you pick a you see the deer, you decide you're going to shoot it. You pull your gun out in front of that deer where you think he's going to cross through a little bit of an opening there. And when he, his shoulder steps into that, you shoot. And that's the way I believe in. You know, I've ha- I had a buddy of mine. He he had a ten pointer, and he came through a really good spot that I've killed a deer there before, and a couple other of my buddies had killed a deer out of that stand before. And it was a nice thick ten pointer, and that deer was just kind of on a mission. And you you know you know what that is? They're going somewhere, and they're they're not going to stop and it never did and he never shot it went over the ridge and up the next ridge and another guy shot it killed it <laughs> and you know he 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 could have got that deer but but you know his experience was that you know normally they they stop but this one was a, a big probably a 5 or 6 year old ten pointer and he just he just wasn't he he was going somewhere I wouldn't say he was dead in rut because I don't think he was, but he knew he was supposed to get somewhere out of those woods because it's pretty heavily hunted. He was coming from the farmland below and heading up to where he was supposed to be at already, and he was running late. And you know, it, he he learned a lesson that day that that you gotta keep. You, know, you got to take the first good shot because there was some good shots because I've hunted that stand <laughs> quite a bit and there was an opportunity or two there. And, but he waited for the perfect shot. And I just, yeah, I don't think you can do that with these no. deer.
0: Yeah. That's good stuff, man. Well, Jim, I think we're going to be able to end it on that note, dude, if the, unless there's anything else that you want to add um, to what we've talked about. But I feel like we've covered a pretty wide range of topics for hunting, um, Hunting mountain mountain bucks, probably anywhere where a guy would find mountains or terrain. I mm-hmm. felt like we covered a lot of that. Yeah.
1: Can I say this one? Make one point. Absolutely. Before we, uh, uh, I did see on a Facebook post that I made about my spreadsheet where a guy said that that he didn't think um, putting the data down for dead deer would be a big help for him and i it's one i mean and i can see where he's coming from i really do i you know that deer's already dead so how can that help you but i think it's one of the most important things that you can do is um you know if you kill a big deer why did you kill that deer what what was the the reasons where was he coming from where was he going to and you know Cause if you find a spot like that, it's very likely to be a good spot for years to come.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So I kind of disagreed with that point because I think a dead deer can tell you a whole lot. I got quite a few of them on my wall right here that I always look up at them and say, you know, this is, you know, where where were you, where were you going, what were you doing? And that's helped me. I I feel like it has. Mm -hmm. You know, so if people have been successful. You know, they need to think about that and why that was, and that could be a, a spot. You know, I've heard over the years of people killing 30 and 40 deer out of the same spot, you know. So think about that, and that might be something that would be helpful, you know, a spot like that or find some more spots like that so that are similar, and, you know, stick with them, and I think it, you know, might help you.
0: Absolutely. That's good stuff, man. I I completely agree with you. I think the same thing about when I see yeah, when I, I see look it. at different deer that I've got on the wall or whatever. I think the exact same thing, and I think a lot of people who who continuously are um, consistent in killing bucks kind of have the same mindset of when you kill one, you you can you can put that down on your list of your list of things that like why did he do this. Even if you never you never kill another deer in that spot, the lessons that you learn and the takeaways that you have from being successful or having a, a, an encounter mm-hmm. can be a pretty big yeah. can be a pretty big thing. And so I think that that's a that's a pretty big that's a pretty big aspect, I guess, of of hunting um, mature bucks is is being able to put those pieces together in the future.
2: Yeah, 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 man. It was, it was that's some good stuff there. And stuff and, and what what I love about it is that it doesn't just have to apply just to mountain bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, um, what 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 I love about uh, what what Jim's saying too is that it's 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 really simple when you break it down. You know, it's not some it's not necessarily as like in in depth as you going and finding like the single bed. You know that yep. that the buck is bedding in. You know, hey, find the thick side of the ridge, get in the thick stuff, and be patient, and you'll have a decent chance of seeing a pretty good buck Mm -hmm. normally you know um and 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 then having the right mindset it was solid solid stuff
0: well i hope i've helped a little bit absolutely man well we appreciate you coming on the show and uh sharing sharing you know some of those those tactics i think a lot of people are going to really get a lot of that we 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 typically have a lot of people that um hunt more terrain type areas and so um people really enjoy mountain buck episodes for sure i appreciate y'all
2: thanks jim so much you man me. Absolutely. Appreciate it. thank you
0: absolutely thank you sir you have a good one man hey guys thanks for listening to this week's episode of the southern ground hunting podcast and as always a big shout out to all of our partners Let's go wild tethered spartan forge and six day grind coffee company You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel, and you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth, so go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.